This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, as you know, on this podcast from time to time, we do go into current events and we go into things that are happening right now. And like I've told you a lot of times before, I will get a plan for what the next three or four episodes are going to be. And then those plans just get absolutely destroyed because of things that are happening in the news. But guys, since the last podcast that I put out there, there've been like five stories that, that just came up and they were all in a row and all of them were like, wait, what? Like, I just couldn't believe all the things that were happening, but there was something that all five of these stories had in common. None of them were really reported nationally. One of these five stories that we're going to talk about today, one of these news stories, one of these current events, there was one that was kind of talked about a little bit and the other four, this might be the first time you've heard of these things actually happening. And that's partially the point. Because the mainstream media, and I know, oh gosh, are we going to rail on the mainstream media again? Well, yeah, but just because they're so awful that the overwhelming amount and the overwhelming majority of the mainstream media, they're not going to give you the straight story unless it fits a narrative. A narrative is king to, to the mainstream media in just about every country, but certainly right now in the United States. And most of these stories do not fit a narrative. Well, I guess I could say all five of these stories don't fit a proper narrative, so they're not going to get the proper amount of coverage. They're not going to get the lead Chiron on CNN. They're not going to be on the front page of the Washington Post. They're not going to be the first words out of Anderson Cooper's mouth. Like these are just not things that we're going to hear about. So the five stories that we're going to talk about today, they affect you directly though. They may not have happened to you, but these things are going to affect your life in the near term or in the very near future. And the five stories is number one, it's the murder of five-year-old Cannon Heinant. The second is the peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The third is the California government attempting to shut down John MacArthur's church. The fourth is Goodyear, the tire and rubber company going woke. And the last one, and this is one that literally just came up a few hours before the recording of this podcast, the forcible gender transition of eight-year-old James Younger. So let's go ahead and get into the first one here. The first one, the murder of five-year-old Cannon Heinen. Here's the deal, is three or four days ago, and I'm recording this, guys, the morning before it comes out. So I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 18th of August. As of a few days ago, no one had heard of this story. Now, if you follow a few kind of certain conservative commentators on Twitter, you may have seen this story pop up. Maybe it popped up on your Facebook, but but really it kind of went on, on deaf ears for a lot of people. But on August 9th of this year, 25-year-old Darius Sessoms, he allegedly, I'm using air quotes here, allegedly murdered five-year-old Cannon Heinant in Wilson, North Carolina. Okay. So Cannon, the five-year-old was apparently riding his bike across Sesums' yard when he, again, allegedly, and I'm just going to stop saying allegedly, because I think you're supposed to do that just in case of libel or, or slander, or any of those types of things. But this guy, Sesums, 25-year-old, ran across the yard, put a pistol to Cannon's head, pulled the trigger and murdered him. A five-year-old on his tricycle, right? Riding a bike across this guy's yard. He runs out, shoots him in the head, blows his head off, right? To make matters worse, this murder took place in front of Cannon's eight-year-old and seven-year-old sisters. They literally watched their five-year-old brother get murdered. So after the kid was shot, the boy's father heard the shot inside the house. He ran outside and he didn't immediately, uh, you know, attack or do anything to uh, Darius Sessoms. He immediately went to his son's aid. Uh, the little boy essentially died in his father's arms. And as a new father uh, with the son, it is absolutely gut-wrenching to, to think about that. To think about someone murdering your son when you were, you know, presumably just a few feet away 
inside the house, right? Uh, Sessoms uh, subsequently fled the scene by vehicle, but he was tracked down about a day later by the U.S. Marshals. Uh, Sessoms has been charged with first-degree murder and is being held without bond. Uh, and luckily, uh, the North Carolina is a death penalty state, so hopefully they reserve a nice place on death row for this absolute piece of human garbage. Um, and interestingly, and, and there's got to be more that comes out on this story, but Sessoms was actually a guest at the boy's house for dinner just two days prior to the murder, right? Because these people were neighbors, right? They, they, their house is right next to one another. And apparently they were friendly enough to where they invite the neighbor over for dinner. And so some people are claiming that Sessoms had some sort of a mental break, which led to this, but, um, you know, he has this mental break, but then he still had the wherewithal to hop in a car and run and try to flee from police. So uh, who knows? There's, there's a whole lot more to, to come out about this, but this is why it affects you. This would have been national news if the races of the two main people involved were flipped. Because as I was describing this news story to you, there was one small detail that I left out about the murder. The little boy Cannon is white and Sesums is black. So a 25-year-old black man walks across his yard or runs across his yard, puts a pistol to the head of a five-year-old white kid and blows him away. This kid was about to go into kindergarten. Just boom, done. Now, can you imagine if we switched the races of these two people? Because again, the overwhelming majority of the people in my life have never even heard this story, right? Whether they're family or friends or acquaintances of mine, they don't even know that this is a thing that happened. This is a local news story in a part of the country that they never pay attention to. But if a 25-year-old white man ran across his lawn put a gun to the head of a five-year-old black child and pulled the trigger and blew him away, we would never stop hearing about it. And that's not to say that one is worse than the other, you see. And that's kind of the point. Because the narrative would immediately be, in Trump's America, white men are emboldened to walk across their yard and execute black children. Black children can't even play on the streets anymore. If it's not cops killing them, it's random mid-20-year-olds with guns. It's guns that are the problem. It's whites that are the problem. It's the system. It's Trump. It's whatever. But the races are flipped. No one knows this is even a story. This reminds me of pretty much every murder, including of children in Chicago every weekend or Baltimore or Washington, D.C. or Kansas City or Detroit or, or now in Seattle and Portland and, and, and all these different places. The murders that are taking place of people, but especially within Chicago, we never hear about these, right? Because they don't fit a narrative. Black people killing other black people, gangbangers killing other gangbangers, like that doesn't really fit with us, right? So it's interesting for us. We have to remember that the media is not out to inform us anymore. They're activists. They're trying to prove a point. So have you ever gotten into an argument with somebody that's a proof texter? So they'll take an obscure passage from a particular book or even scripture or something like that, and they'll use it out of context to prove their point. It's hyper annoying, especially when pastors do it, but it's proof texting. The same thing happens in the news. This didn't fit the narrative, so it just fell right through the filter. I think it literally took the shaming of some fairly prominent people on Twitter for even someone like CNN to even just say it. And it was like a small blurb on their website, uh, you know, about this kid's murder. And now reasonably, this is kind of a local news story. This is a local tragedy. It's a horrific thing. But if it was flipped, it would be international news, 
right? If it's a killing of George Floyd by a police officer, right? The unjustified killing of George Floyd by a police officer. If that makes the rounds around the world, can you imagine what would have happened, you know, a couple of months later, if this was a white person that, uh, that did this to a black child? Absolutely insane. But it affects us directly. The second story that we're going to go over, the second news story, is that Israel and the United Arab Emirates have a peace deal. So on August 13th of this year, an absolutely massive thing happened. And I feel like it was talked about in the mainstream media for like, uh, it was kind of mentioned. And then it was back to COVID-19s coming for your children. Trump wants your kids to die tonight at 10 o'clock. Like that's, that's what it basically went to immediately. But on August 13th, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, who is the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, they agreed to normalize relations with one another. So this essentially put an end to a 70 plus year uh, time period of hostilities in this region, right? Like this is an absolutely historic deal that took a lot, a lot of stuff to happen. So essentially these two countries, uh, these two areas are going to be establishing diplomatic relations, and this will include them trading embassies, trading ambassadors, which just to even think about Israel trading embassies and ambassadors with a Muslim majority country. It just doesn't even sound right. It doesn't even sound like it could even be possible, but it happened. Uh, and guys, again, I've already told you a million times by now, my thoughts on president Trump and, and some of my reservations about him, but this literally would not have been possible without president Donald Trump and his administration brokering the deal. I mean, this, this literally should win Trump the Nobel peace prize running away. But it won't because the Nobel Peace Prize, remember, I mean, they gave it to Barack Obama when he had been in the off, in office for like 17 seconds. The Nobel Peace Prize essentially doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, but this is such a huge moment. And this is apparently the first of what could be many subsequent deals with other countries in the region. So it seems like this is going to kind of be the spearhead deal and other deals with other countries are going to be coming into this. And it's just, it's just incredible to see that we've had this ally in Israel, in that region and all the hostilities that have taken place there. And with, you know, a few pin strokes, it could be different, right? And so why this affects you is if you love America, this is great for you. And I know a lot of times, you know, the Israeli and Palestinian conflict and the conflicts, but even just between Jews and Muslims is just kind of hard to, hard to wrap your mind around. And there's already so many problems and you're, you're worried about paying the mortgage and here people are talking about these faraway countries that you've never visited. But here's the deal is peace in the Middle East is good for the global economy, right? Considering the amount of oil and, and riches that are in that area, it's good for future diplomatic relations. It's good for our soldiers, Right. For any of you people, even if you're pro-America and, and pro-military, which I, I, I could hardly be more pro-America and pro-military and more patriotic, but some of these wars and some of these conflicts in that area of the country, they, they're not having to directly do with terrorism. And they're having to do with just tensions that are in that area. When you talk to people over there, there's just, there, there's tension between these countries. And if things pop off, we want to make sure that we're there so that we can tamp things down and control it as much as it could be controlled. But this, this is a good thing for our soldiers. Uh, this is a good thing for one of our main allies in that region, and it could lead to future peace. But with this story, again, the big point is that most people weren't really told about it. If they were told about it, it was a little blurb that didn't make it seem as big as it, as it was because it's a massive, massive deal. But as with any peace deal between anyone in that region of the world, it's, I have some cautious optimism. I'm certainly optimistic that this is the real deal, that this is going to lead to, to longstanding positivity in that region. But 
We've got hundreds, if not thousands of years worth of uh, evidence to say that it doesn't really matter what's on paper. It matters how people act, but here's to hoping that it works out well. So the third story we're going to get into here is the California government attempting to shut down John MacArthur's church. So officials from Los Angeles County, they attempted to enforce a restraining order against Grace Community Church, which is John MacArthur's church, when they refused to comply with Governor Gavin Newsom's order to shut down their their church and all of their services because of COVID-19. So I think it was last week's episode, I, I put in a, a sermon from John MacArthur, who was basically talking through that situation and what they plan to do. So all this stuff took place after that sermon, after last week's episode. But luckily, there was a LA County Judge James uh, Schalfant. He actually denied the request on August 14th, saying that it's it's not up to anyone other than LA County to prove why they feel like they are justified to infringe on the First Amendment rights of John MacArthur's church in, an, in order to protect the public health or whatever their argument's going to be. So essentially... That court ruling by Judge James Schalfen would have allowed worship services to take place in L.A. County. Now, there still would have been some regulations around masking and social distancing, which uh, John MacArthur and his staff and the entire church agreed that they would do at least for, for some period of time. But on August the 15th, so just a day later, the California Court of Appeals threw out that ruling. So they, they threw out the lower court ruling. And so they are going to prohibit. They, they basically said we are going to prohibit indoor worship services. And John MacArthur, like a gangster, held church anyway. He basically ignored both court rulings. He, he basically said, I'm going to do church and I'm going to do my thing, whether or not you give me permission. So he held church and uh, this is a statement that he released. So it's a couple of paragraphs, but I do want to read it to you just because John MacArthur, he's a heavyweight in the Christian Christian sphere. He's definitely an influencer in this area. And I just love uh, how he's standing up. So this is his uh, statement here. Here's a quote. We're meeting because our Lord has commanded us to come together and to worship him. There was a court order that granted this church and this church alone the right to meet indoors, and the powers of the city were not happy about that. They were going to be asking us to do two things, social distance and wear masks. That was until yesterday when the city, we agreed, look, we'll comply for a few weeks. They asked that for three weeks. We're not wanting to be defiant. We will do what is reasonable. That was not enough for the city. So they went to the appellate court at the last minute on Saturday late and had that order removed. So. The good news is you're here, you're not social distancing, and you're not wearing masks. And it's also good news that you're not outside because it's very hot out there. So the Lord knew that we needed to be inside and unmasked. So he did us a gracious favor. They don't want us to meet. That's obvious. They're not willing to work with us. They just want to shut us down. But we're here to bring honor to the Lord. They're not our enemy. We understand that. The Bible tells us to pray for our leaders, for their salvation. We need to be faithful to do that. So this was, you know, in, in unquote. So this was the message that he gave to his church. This is a guy that seems almost aloof to, to the issues that are going on around him because now his church and him specifically are in the crosshairs of an incredibly democratic state. And by incredibly, I think there is not a single Republican that's been elected to high office in that state and a state that operates with a very atheistic and, and very anti-religious um modus operandi. This is just basically how they, how they operate and how they're going to operate moving forward. And this is in a county that is going to make the news. So when you do something like this in that county, it's impossible. It's one of the biggest counties in the entire country, if not the biggest. And so it's going to create ripples no matter what happens. But this is why this story affects you is when will the government come for your church? Now, again, we've talked about the Overton window a lot. We've talked about things that, you know, even just a few years ago seemed crazy or a few decades ago seemed crazy that are now old hat. The same thing is true here. 
you know, Rob, Albert Moeller has a story called, or a, a book called The Oncoming Storm. And he talks about some of these changes that are coming in society. And within 10 years, I don't know that we're going to necessarily be able to recognize our country and recognize some of the things that we've, some of the freedoms that we've had for hundreds of years that are just going to be taken away from us. And the thing about it is, is it does start on the local level. I don't think guys, I just don't, that if Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, which technically means Kamala Harris are elected president of the United States, they're not just going to come for our churches outright from the very beginning, because there still is some semblance of the population that considers themselves to be Democrats, but also consider themselves to be religious people. That's becoming more and more counter uh, to one another. It's becoming more and more of a juxtaposition in, you know, usefulness or mindfulness. But at the same time, this is something that's going to happen and it might happen slowly. So it might start with your city council where a couple of people got elected because they were more personable than the other people, but these people are atheistic or or agnostic or Marxist, whatever the situation is. And then in your community, they're going to start making overtures towards the people that are anti-church. And they're going to start building bridges for people that are like pro-baby murder, like abortion clinics or, or different organizations that kind of do things that would be better for people that are leftists, that, that would make them feel better. And so these are stories that we should pay attention to. We should also be paying attention not only to what the, the negative people are doing in this, the people that are the enemies of the church, we should also pay attention to what the people inside the church are doing. Because how many of you guys have pastors that would not stand up like John MacArthur is right now? who would not make a compelling case in front of his congregation as to why they're keeping the doors open. That's why I shared that sermon with you guys last week. So go back to last week's episode and go to the show notes and watch that sermon, you know, uh, bump it up to two times speed so that you can uh, get the content in. But how many of your pastors wouldn't have the stones to do that? They would just be fully content to comply with whatever the government says. And if the government comes by with chains that they plan to put on the doors, is your pastor prepared to push back? And by that, I do mean physically. Are they going to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty? Are they going to encourage the other men in the church that are on staff to do the same? Because guys, we're coming to a point where that may be what has to happen. I'm not conflating what we're going through right now with what's happening in China or any of these countries around the world where Christians are under real persecution and persecution that could lead to their deaths. But how far away from that type of thing are we really? And I, I don't want to venture a guess, but I am terrified about that. I'm terrified because I see a whole bunch of beta males inside these churches, especially on these church staffs, that are more than welcome to go along to get along when it comes to the government and what they tell them to do. And they're going to pull out some obscure scriptures and say, wow, we need to, we need to honor the government. We need to do all these things. While at the same time, they're going to be dishonoring God. So, something to keep your uh, eye on, guys. All right, the next story, and we got two more left here. It's at Goodyear. The Tired Rubber Company has gone woke. So, Goodyear is a company that I have been familiar with my entire life because my father, who I love, has worked for that company for about 40 years. Um, He's dedicated a large chunk of his life to that company and doing good work for that company and providing for our family. But, gosh, even a tire company has to signal virtue. So, apparently, Goodyear held a diversity training seminar at the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Plant in Topeka, Kansas recently, okay? Now, there was a slide that was up on one of, in during this presentation, and it was a zero-tolerance messaging slide, right? So they're talking about things that can't be said or worn or discussed in the workplace. 
So the acceptable things, they had a list of acceptable and unacceptable. On the acceptable list were Black Lives Matter and LGBT pride. Those are acceptable things. On the unacceptable list are things like Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, MAGA attire, or anything else politically affiliated like slogans or material. So someone took a picture of this slide when it was up on the screen and then they, they sent it out and then it went viral. So here's the thing, a country or a company like Goodyear says that you can't have any politically affiliated slogans, but Hey, you can put up black lives matter. You can put up the slogan, the name of an organization that is Marxist, that says it wants to tear down the, the system of, of America wants to tear down uh, the system of oppression that is holding down the proletariat, this, this unbelievably evil ideology. That's totally fine. But gosh darn it, if you want to wear a, a black sticker with a blue line through it for Blue Lives Matter, no, unacceptable. And I'm wondering, does Goodyear know that a lot of people that don't riot and throw Molotov cocktails through business windows, don't they know that a lot of people that don't do those things buy tires as well? Don't you know that most of the people that actually pay attention to the types of tires and brands of tires that they buy are not really down with BLM and the things that they're spouting, right? Because again, it's not a sentence. It's an organization. It's a movement, right? And I'm just wondering, and I'm, I'm looking at them like, wh what exactly was the plan here? And it's kind of gotten muddier since, since that picture went viral. Cause as soon as the picture went viral, Goodyear released a statement that didn't really directly address the slide in question. And so this was their statement. They put out it's quote, Goodyear is committed to fostering an inclusive and respectful workplace where all of our associates can do their best in a spirit of teamwork. As part of this commitment, we do allow our associates to express their support on racial injustice and other equity issues, but ask that they refrain from workplace expressions, verbal or otherwise in support of political campaigning for any candidate or political party, as well as other similar forms of advocacy that fall outside of the scope of equity issues, unquote. But, but Donald Trump got involved. He called verbally and in public for the boycott of Goodyear. And then all of a sudden, interestingly, Goodyear directly responded by saying that the zero tolerance policy slide that went viral was not created or distributed by Goodyear corporate, nor was it part of a diversity training class. How interesting timing. So they respond to the, the viral nature of the picture without saying that that didn't come from us. And they kind of like were signaling their, their support of that slide. And then Donald Trump says something about it. They're like, oh, no, nah, man, no, nah, that wasn't us. We didn't, we didn't do that. It's like somebody's lying. Either somebody like literally Photoshopped a grainy picture of a PowerPoint slide or Goodyear's full of crap. But this is how it really reflects on you and kind of how it affects you directly because it's brought up this idea of boycotting again. So to boycott or not to boycott, that is the question because people on the left, they love the boycott, right? So Tucker Carlson says something that they don't like on television. And so they will get a hundred or so of their operatives to get together and they will just call and tweet at and email the corporate offices of these companies that are advertising during the Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson show, 
and then they'll they'll get them to drop their advertisements. And that's just what they do. They're going to boycott this. You know, we're going to boycott Chick-fil-A because Dan Cathy doesn't think that, you know, gay people should get married, whatever the situation is. But that's not really something that people on the right have done. Not really in large part, not like what we're seeing. Now, you might immediately think, well, Kyle, what about people that turned off the NFL with all the, the kneeling stuff? It's like, yeah, that, that's part of it. You know, what about right now, the NBA's ratings, you know, the, the, the BLM uh, association, they are just in the tank right now. They're absolutely in the toilet. Their ratings are, are horrific right now, probably because people don't want to be lectured to while they're watching basketball. And they certainly don't want to watch Black Lives Matter throw up an alley-oop to pro-choice who then uh, gets the outbound and, and goes to, on defense against Carl uh, Marx wasn't such a bad guy or whatever the stuff that's on the back of these dopes jerseys. But the thing about it is, is it does bring up an interesting point that, you know, should we be thinking about boycotting companies like this? Because me personally, I do kind of have that bent. Ever since Nike pulled all that crap, ever since they they signed Colin Kaepernick, and since their messaging is really supporting Black Lives Matter, they even had an ad on while I was watching a baseball game the other day, and the ad looked like Antifa made it. The message did, and they even had like a little, like uh, the, the artwork was kind of like with a spray can. The text was kind of like a, a spray paint of a word or something like that. It's like they're signaling to these people that we're on your side. So I've, I've even told my wife, I was like, we're not buying Nike anymore. Like I got a shelf full of Nike shoes and I got Nike shorts and all that. And I'm not going to go burn it. Like, because I paid for those things. They still work on my feet, but we're just not going to support them. There's plenty of other brands out there. And these people really aren't giving the messages that I would want my kid to look at and go, yeah, that's a way to act. But I would never consider not shopping at a company because the CEO had a viewpoint on a particular issue that I don't like. Right. Look at what what's happening with Goya. You know, uh, the guy, the CEO of Goya comes out and supported Donald Trump. And then all of a sudden people are not allowed to buy beans from Goya anymore. Like it just doesn't really make any sense. But it does bring up an interesting point about what type of society are we building? Because if you're a conservative and you're going to insulate yourself from all these companies that are virtue signaling, you're going to run out of companies to buy from. You just will. You're going to run out of shoes to buy. You're going to, you're going to run out of websites to order things from because just about everybody is trying to virtue signal. Most of them don't mean it. So if you just start making a running list, that's going to be, that's going to be hard to really live by. Now for me, things that I've done in my life in terms of boycotting, like I don't, I don't support Starbucks at all because they provide a lot of money to Planned Parenthood. So for me personally, the CEO gives a lot of money to Planned Parenthood, but then the organization itself gives a lot of money to Planned Parenthood. So I can't be down with Starbucks, right? I don't drink coffee anyway, but like, I'm not buying a gift card to give to somebody. I'm not, you know, getting a gift for somebody there and, you know, getting a coffee mug or something like that for my mom for her birthday. None of that's going to happen, right? But there are other organizations like Patagonia is one, like they make really, really good mountain wear and, you know, good uh, winter clothing and jackets and stuff like that. But they're an incredibly activist type organization. And a lot of the stuff they post is incredibly left wing and really crunchy. And and it's just one of those things, but it's not going to bother me to the point where I'm not going to wear their jackets because they're just posturing. I don't think they mean it, but it does bring up again where, where people that are on the right, people that are conservatives are going to have to kind of reckon with what they're going to do with companies like this. Are you only going to buy Michelin's now? because Goodyear is pulling this woke crap, but it's also a reckoning to these companies to be like, is this worth it? Like was anybody sitting around? So is anybody that's like really into the BLM thing, really into the Antifa thing, into injustice and all this cosmic stuff that's going wrong? Are they just sitting around in their basements? Like, man, I really wish I knew where Goodyear stood on this. 
Because I was walking by my car the other day and I read what it said on the tires and it said Goodyear. And I just thought to myself, gosh, I really hope they're on my side. Like, if you're Goodyear, what was the point of that? Because they're full of crap that that wasn't theirs and that they didn't create it in their home office. Uh, it, it didn't make any sense at all that that would actually be the case, right? Somebody in Akron, Ohio, in their home office, came up with this with an idea as an idea in the HR department, said, yeah, sure, let's go ahead and go with it. And they didn't think it would ever blow up like this. But what was the wisdom behind that to begin with? And if you're the CEO of the company and you see that this is blowing up and let's say it was a lower level HR staffer that kind of snuck this into a slide, you can acknowledge that. And then also say, by the way, you know, our tires are for everybody, you know, in our workplace, uh, we like to keep things cordial. So we don't want anybody to talk about anything that might be incendiary or inflammatory or whatever the situation is. And then guess what? You sell tires and you move on. But now you have the president of the United States, the most powerful person on planet earth right now, talking about your company and how people shouldn't buy your tires. And guess what? A large segment of the population is going to listen to him. So is it worth it? I mean, guys, Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and Goodyear's playing stupid games right now, and they're not going to be the last company to do so. But guys, the last story of the day, um, this one's in- incredibly infuriating. You know, we started out with uh, an absolutely horrific, infuriating story about a murder of a five-year-old, and now we're going to talk about the forcible gender transition of an eight-year-old boy named James Younger. So if this name sounds familiar, it should. It's because we've learned about the legal battle going on between James's dad, Jeffrey Younger, and James's mom, Dr. Ann Jorgulis. I don't really know how you pronounce her last name, but she's satanic, so who cares? But they made national headlines in 2019 because the mother, who's a doctor, who apparently is, uh, her opinion is above reproach, she declared that she was going to publicly transition James's gender against the wishes of his father. Okay? So, allegedly, according to the mother, when the boy is with the mom, so when dad's not there, they're divorced, obviously. When the boy is with mom, He likes to wear dresses. He likes to be called Luna. But then when he's with his father, he likes to act like a boy, be called James, play sports, do those types of things. Now, in this story, there's a lot of evidence that cuts against what the mom is saying. Because when they talk to the boy, he's very, very confused about transitioning. Right. So, so let's say this kid actually felt like he was transgender, which I don't think is the case here. I think his mom has poisoned this kid, poisoned the kid's brain. But even if he actually thought that he was transgender, he's eight years old. The data right now show that an eight year old, someone in that age range that thinks that they're the wrong gender, they might actually just be homosexual. They might just have same sex attraction. And so you have these people that they become teenagers or they become adults, they've transitioned and then they realize, oh crap, I'm just gay or I'm just a lesbian. Or I have same sex attraction that I feel like I should act on, but they've destroyed their bodies because they transitioned. And, and those stories are going to keep getting worse and worse. But the thing about it is when you hear this kid talk, this kid's basically like, you know, mom wants me to wear dresses. Like mom calls me Luna. She doesn't even call me James. And then dad, when, when the kids with dad, he was like, Hey, do you want to wear dresses? Do you want me to call you James? Or do you want me to call you Luna? And when he's with dad, he's like, please dad, just, just call me James. Like, I just want to be a boy. So this kid's just been put through the ringer uh, by his parents, but mainly by his mother. But then last year, the, you know, hashtag save James younger thing went viral. 
And it especially went viral after everyone figured out what was going on. And it was going on in the state of Texas and prominent uh, Texas Republicans like Senator Ted Cruz and U.S. Representative Dan Crenshaw and Governor Greg Abbott. They commented publicly about James's case. And then in October of 2019, Judge Kim uh, Kim Cooks ruled that both parents had to make joint medical decisions as it pertained to James and his brother Jude. Okay, so basically mom couldn't put him through transition uh, you know, transitioning him into being gir- a girl, like, you know, giving him puberty blockers and, and, you know, doing all these things or removing his penis or whatever she had in mind without dad's consent. But on August 15th, so just a few days ago, a Texas judge named Mary Brown has now taken away all of the father's rights when it comes to his son, James's health. She rendered the decision without even doing a hearing. So there's a special evidentiary hearing scheduled for September to review that judge's orders. but. It's just an insane story. There's a kid caught in the crosshairs. So if you think the kid might actually be transgender, if you think that's an actual thing, this is a horrible situation because he's being pulled back and forth and he's part of a legal battle. But if you don't, if you think the kid is being poisoned by his mother with these ideas that he's not the gender that that he is, and, and there's even reports that the mom always wanted a daughter, and so she started treating this boy like he was a girl and has created, she may have ruined this kid's life. I mean, this kid may never be able to recover from what he's doing right, from what's going on right now. And yeah, people on both sides of the aisle cheering on their section, but it's a horrific injustice that's being done to this young man. I mean, my goodness, he's an eight-year-old boy and his mom is wanting to forcibly, against the father's wishes, turn him into a girl named Luna. And I just got to tell you guys, and I'm certainly not the first person to say this, so this is not unique to me. But if this were happening in my house, which it wouldn't because my wife's not satanic like that, but if that were going to happen in my house, you would never see me and those boys ever again because I would snatch them up and I would get them the hell out of here because if I'm going to live in a country that's going to force me to watch my wife turn my son into a girl, there's no way I would let that happen. And guys, this is why this story affects you because yeah, it makes you mad, but how does it affect you directly? It's because judges decide cases and the ruling party approves judges, which means elections have consequences. Again, judges decide cases. The ruling party approves judges. Elections have consequences. So if you're one of those guys that is way more into fantasy football than you are into politics, you need to pull your head out of your rear end. Because guys, guess what? Finishing in the top four just so you can make the fantasy football playoffs is not important when it comes to stories like this. Because guess what? Across the United States, for almost four years, Donald Trump has been able to get a, a bevy of conservative judges appointed all across the country. And the reason he's able to do that without any opposition is because the Senate approves these appointments and the Senate is currently Republican ruled. And if you're thinking about a situation like this, because I I don't assume that all of you guys have perfect marriages. I know that there are guys out there that have gone through divorces or you're currently going through divorces and you might have to deal with situations like this. And if you live in a state where you don't have a judge that is going to advocate on the side of reason and logic and basic decency, you're screwed. Because then if you go to the next set of courts and they agree with them, and then you go to the next set of courts and they still agree with them, and then you go to the supreme set of courts or the court 
and they agree with them, there's nothing that you can do. Except for steal, in this, this situation, steal your kid and run away to another country, right? Everything has consequences. One of the biggest and best reasons, I think, to vote for a guy like Donald Trump and all his warts is because we've created this system where judges can literally carry the power of God in so many situations. So if the Republicans lose the Senate and they lose the White House, then that means there's going to be a whole lot more judges like Judge Kim Cooks out there that's going to allow this mother to force her eight-year-old to physically become a girl in their minds, because it's not possible, but to publicly present themselves as a girl, to go to school as Luna in a dress with a boy's haircut, but perhaps wearing makeup and nail polish. There's going to be more Mary Browns out there. That's why we've got to be involved. We have to be involved in our local elections, and we have to be involved nationally. We have to advocate for people that are going to put judges that are going to avoid situations like this. And guys, I'm certainly going to do a podcast at some point about the failures of the Supreme Court, and especially of Justice John Roberts, who was appointed by George W. Bush, who has basically been another liberal judge. Uh, he's, he's been an absolutely terrible judge. But it's when you have elections, these are the things that matter. I honestly don't care what Trump puts on Twitter, but I do care if he puts another Neil Gorsuch on, on the bench, right? Because if he's elected for another four years, he's going to get another pick or two. But if he's not elected, and if the Senate is lost by the Republicans, then can you imagine what the Supreme Court's going to look like? The Democrats have already signaled that they want to add Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. as states, which will allow them basically to have Senate rule for maybe forever. And also, they want to expand the size of the Supreme Court so they can just pack the Supreme Court with as many activist judges as they can. And then religious liberty is going to be on the line. You know, stories like this, like the LGBTQ thing is going to be enshrined in law. It's going to be a country that is unrecognizable and it's going to be unlivable for a lot of us. So if it seems like I'm preaching, it's because this is important. And guys, to kind of wrap up these five stories, you know, some of these were more serious than others. Some of these you may have actually heard of, but I would say for the most of you guys, you didn't know any of these things were happening. You've got to stay involved. You've got to stay informed. It is absolutely unacceptable for you to just tune out. And I, you know, I know I pick on fantasy football and I pick on golf and I pick on all these things, but guess what? If you're obsessed with jujitsu and you have no idea what's going on in your local community, you don't know who your representative's name is, you've never uh, watched or gone to a city council meeting, you've never advocated for something in your area, eventually something's going to happen and it's going to be too late for you to do anything about it. And you're going to wonder, well, gosh darn it, what went wrong? What went wrong is you weren't involved enough to even know what was happening. So guys, stay informed. I'll do my best to help with that. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, we're going to shift gears entirely. This YouTube video has absolutely nothing at all to do with anything that I've talked about today, but it is a hilarious video called How People cancel each other. So there's this YouTube comedian. It's this dude with like long red hair. I forget what the dude's name even is, but this is just a time where making fun of the cancel culture that we currently exist in, this guy does it in an incredibly smart way. So I think it's worth your time. I think it's a three or four minute long video. It's going to you know, bring some joy and some laughter to your life. So enjoy. That one's on me. 
Guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and for your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us five stars and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, so if you want to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, at your business, at your team, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. The email is info at undaunted.life. Our website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. I need